Well, hello, Bible listeners, Bible love listeners. We are back, just Alan and I today um, to talk about this very interesting book, The Song of Songs. Um, But we thought we would start off today with prayer, the prayer for the human family, which is um, in the back of the book, Common Prayer. And no particular reason, but just always good to pray for the humans that surround us, right? So the Lord be with you. Also with you. Oh God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth that in your good time, all nations and races may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Amen. Amen. So we are back in Song of Songs, Song of Solomon. So I was was reading, we'll talk about the title again. Um, We're getting through all eight verses today. This is just two quick weeks on Song of Songs. Uh, My Thursday morning spiritual spiritual awareness folks will will be sad. They they seem to really connect with last week's episode. And um, I told them we only have one more week. They seem disappointed. Um, But I was reading something. Judy Fentress Williams has... um, Quick commentary on the whole Bible. She's an Old Testament professor at, at VTS. Love Judy. She was talking about Song of Songs and that title, right? And she was like, you know, when you say something is the something something, like two the same word together, it's like the best song of all. So that got me thinking. You think of like New York, New York, the oh, city yeah. twice. I've been to Texas City before, like Texas, Texas. Huh? It is not it's a not the same. It's not. Same. So, so hopefully, Song of Songs is more like New York, New York, and yeah. less the city, Texas. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, shout out to your Thursday morning women's group. I hope we get to meet y'all sometime. If if, if my old friend Alan will ever invite me to come preach at St. Martin's, um, so I'll least a classmate of mine showed up. She's a priest down in Houston at uh, what I call St. Martin's the Lesser. <laughs> it, it happens to be the largest Episcopal church in the country, yeah, but yeah. To the lesser. She was raised, she was a parishioner here at St. Martin's the Greater forever. We were in seminary together. She's at St. Martin's. Uh, I'm getting ready for the 830 service, and here she comes. I'm oh, like, awesome. Lisa, you got to tell me when you're showing up so I can put you to work. Absolutely. So, show up sometime, Mary Balfour, and um, I'll make you do something. Yeah, you know I love to work. So anytime, anytime. We'll make it happen, friends. Well, so I really enjoyed our time with Tony. As always, he's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. We love him so much. Um, But, you know, this is just not a book of the Bible I knew a lot about. And in fact, Alan, you looked it up. There is like one portion of it that's in the lectionary, right? It is. It's interesting. It's the same portion of the lectionary. Um, And where did it go? So... Chapter 2, verses 8 through 13, it comes up in the lectionary both on proper 9a 
and 17B. So those are, you know, propers. Those are just ordinary time kind of like. Um, and now. We, it comes up twice. That's interesting to me. I don't know how many of the same pericope, the same readings actually show up multiple times. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. Have you? Do you rem- ever remember preaching on it? Oh, I don't. No. Uh, can I read this and let's talk about this for a minute? Sure. Yeah, the heading here, this is the New Revised Standard Version. It calls it Springtime Rhapsody. So I'm thinking Shakespeare right now. Oh, All right. right. The voice of my beloved, look, he comes, leaping upon the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing in at the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks and says to me, arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. For now the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Love it. Very Shakespearean. Yeah. Um, and Juliet. Yeah, so I'm th- I was thinking about, you know, kind of the dual purpose of this book. We talked some about it with Tony. Judy talks about it in hers. Is this is um, for the ancient Israelites, for the, the Hebrew people, this was a liturgical text. They read this not just as like, how am I supposed to love my partner or whoever, but also like God speaking it to them. Right. And so I think about that here, right? My beloved is like a gazelle. He stands gazing in. Look, God is there looking. He speaks to me, arise, come away. I mean, it's one thing to think about it in the context of human relationships. And I think it's helpful there. Um, But like sometimes this whole podcast is called Bible Love. We remind people every week. You remind people every week. God loves them. Sometimes we just need a love letter from God. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's really true because as I've dug into it a little bit more, I'm I'm with you on that. Like, yeah, we think about like the romance and the poetry and, and it is mostly addressed by a man to a woman and a woman to a man. But they've also it's also been interpreted by the Jewish people as a picture of the relationship between God and his people. And then us as Christians as a picture of a relationship between Christ and the church, you know, and Jesus and the church. And I, I think that's important. It's not just about humans. It's about where does God fit into that? And we do need that love letter from God often, um, especially in our lives when we're facing. Um, I have lots of people in my life that are facing diagnoses and um, or hard times or divorce or estrangement from children, whatever the circumstance may be. And we just need that like wonderful reminder from God, how loved we are. So I think for me, as I continue to think about this, whenever I'm having a down day, I'm going to go read um, the song of songs. It's not a long chapter and it will remind me of how loved I am. And oftentimes I think we need to hear that from other people, but here it is written just beautifully from God. You know, and I think that's really special. There's six songs in here. Um, that's, or at least I'm, I'm always in grandmother's Bible. So the good news Bible is the English version. And, um, and they, they, they divided into these six songs. 
and and starts with which I thought think is interesting the woman speaking to the man first okay so I love of course that the woman's voice um, is first but and and that seems to be the theme through each of these songs that the woman speaks first before the man I don't know how yours is um, interpreted but I, I I like that that the woman gets the first say you know. <laughs> That reminds me yesterday, um, Gavin Tomlin, our new curate here at St. Martin's, who, uh, sorry, something just fell. I tried to catch it. Um, Gavin, who you'll hear in a couple months when he comes and joins the podcast, um, we're teaching a Bible study on the book of Acts. And yesterday he was doing kind of thematic overview. And and one of the themes he picked up was the role of women in Acts, right? Like women are patrons, women are leaders of early church, all of this. They have a central role. And he was clear to point out, Acts isn't like doing that as like a social justice effort. Mm-hmm. Acts pointing out the reality that this was happening, right? right? So it, it's less propaganda saying this is how it should be, which, I mean, there would be a place for that. But it was pointing out this is how it was. And so I think... You know, we we look back at Scripture and we look for these voices of women. We look because we've been so starved for that. Scripture kind of presents it as, guys, this is how it is. Like, yeah, the woman is going to speak first here. And this isn't some great monumental claim in the whole of Scripture. This is just stating a fact. The woman's voice is heard. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's, even though we don't get the names of those women, it's really, you know, Lindsay Harden Freeman, I'm sure I need to go look at her book um, and what she said about this. But this is one of the places, you know, that the women's voice is is very strong. Um, One of the other things that I've really enjoyed about this is, and we talk about this a lot, and I've already kind of said it, you know, life can get so hard. And it's just this beautiful reminder of how beloved we are. Um, the bishop that ordained me as a priest, um, he, whenever he walked in a room, he said, oh, my beloveds, I'm so glad to see you, my beloveds, you know, and it just made you feel so seen and so heard. And when there are a lot of loud voices around us, sometimes we don't see, see, be seen, aren't seen or aren't heard. Um, when we feel um, sad or blue or whatever that may be, I just um, I feel like I've got a little secret now in this book, like that I didn't really realize before. Um, and I think so often, like I said, we go to other people. I've done this to Alan, like affirm me, affirm me, affirm me. You know, I need you to tell me I'm doing a good job. When really, I mean, and I still need that from Alan, but but really why wouldn't I just open up this gorgeous book of the Bible and read through this poetry and this love that is clearly shown to us by God. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a reminder, um, kind of the dual nature. Again, we we're hearing God speak these things over us, right. And there's power in that. It's also a reminder that we need to do that to other people. Right. Pour into them that way. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So the first song, which is like one through a little bit of two, um, is is very like sensual. Uh, You know, there's talking about um, 
kissing and perfume and um, beautiful hair, um, wildflowers, you know, all of that kind of thing. But then when you get into the second song, um, you know, clearly like they're in this relationship, but it feels like it moves like a little bit more into creation for me. So you hear a lot of foxes and morning breezes and darkness disappears and the mountains are there. Um, and, and so there's this, there's all these elements of God's creation in this, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So the people element, the animal element, the beautiful sky and nature. Um, I think it's sort of interesting how all of that is brought in. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of the multifaceted, um, the, the prism of trying to understand God's love. Like if I, you know, if I explain to you, like, what is it like to know that Murray loves you? Right. Like, that's not something you can describe. You can talk about moments. You can talk about experiences. You can say it's like this or it's like that. But like love, the act of being loved, the act of loving someone else, those aren't things we can describe. So, yeah, we're going to go in. It is like this. And we're going to bring in nature because everyone resonates. Animal, Everyone loves animals for some reason. Right. Like we're going to bring in these these universal things that like, I don't know what it's like for you and Murray to love each other, but like I have a sense because you can say it's like this. And so we can see and hear um, this man and this woman or God's love for us. We get a sense of it through metaphor. Yeah. That beautiful metaphor, which is sometimes the greatest thing when we don't have the words to describe it. Right. Um, I, I'm always jealous of people like Murray who have that gift to be able to write in that way or um, the writer of the Song of Songs, you know, to be able to express in that way um, their true love for each other. Um, I was thinking about also, um, so we have a Curcio weekend coming up this weekend. I have a couple of parishioners are going to that and one of the things that, and not, not to spoil it for anybody, but one of the things that happens there is people are just showered with love in this beautiful way. And God's love is shown to them, however that may be, through a meal or through a note or whatever. And um, I sometimes I can't find enough words to like write or tell or speak or whatever. And um, so I, I went to the Song of Songs as I was like thinking about these people and um, trying to... Um, show them other than within my own heart and my own words, how much God loves them. And I, there was just so many things that popped out to me, but the one that I really love, and you've already mentioned it, it's at the very, very end. So this is in chapter eight. And the woman says to the man, this is verse 14, come to me, my lover, like a gazelle, like a young stag on the mountain where spices grow. So I was thinking of that in God terms, like, come to me, my beloved, like a gazelle, like a young stag on the mountain where spices grow. Come to me on this mountain, you, my child, my beloved, the one I love so much, and I will care for you and I will love you. Um, I also think it's really interesting in this that there are all these different ways that um the man and the woman or God and, and their person is expressing themselves like little pet names, right? So we get darling, we get beloved, we get beautiful, 
we get you're so pretty, we get you're um, bright, dazzling as the sun or, or the moon. Like there's all these different ways, like little pet names that God is coming up with to to share God's love with us, right? I thought that was really kind of interesting too, because we do that in relationships, right? Like whenever I get on the podcast with Alan, I'm like, hey, buddy, what's up? You know, like buddy is the word I use a lot for him, you know, or Murray might say, um, hey, love, how you doing? God's doing that same thing. Um, Even though our names are important, there's also like this sense of just deep love for us um, using these sort of pet names. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it shows a level of intimacy, right? Like, um, because some of these are more than like nicknames, right? Like, you know, um, my son Sanford goes by Sanford everywhere else except at home. Right. Because, <laughs> like, I, I think on like school rolls, he's Sanford and he just doesn't ever care to correct the teacher. So mm-hmm. all friends call him Sanford. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I'm bored. Ford, because that's the name we chose, the nickname we chose. And so we call him, family calls him that. But even there, that's different. Like there's other things when it's just me and him, you know, I'll use other names. That's not something his friends use, not something. And to think about that or pet names with, you know, your spouse or partner or whatever, like that's not something the whole world calls them. Right. It's not even something you want the whole world to know you call them. Right. The it's an inside thing. And so we have that with God, right? Like, cause you know, God's really, really big. And we think about that. And of course God loves everyone. God created everyone, but yeah, God has pet names for all of us. Yeah. Like what, what God calls you, Mary Balfour is not what God calls me. Um, and this is a reminder of that. Yeah. Okay. So one other thing that really stood out to me when I was studying this, and this kind of came up yesterday in a Sunday school class, we were kind of talking about some folks we haven't seen in a while in church, right? Whether it's COVID or something like that. And I remember at another church I served, someone telling me um, they didn't go to church for six months and no one called them. And that, that silence was like deafening. I mean, it just hurt, really, really hurt. And so in the Sunday school class, I was trying to encourage people, like, whenever you notice someone's not here, you know, reach out to them, let them know you love them. And one person said, you know, sometimes I get bit when I do that. Like, they're like, why are you in my business? Why are you wondering about me? Blah, 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 blah. But I'm looking at chapter eight, verse six, and kind of in the middle of it, it says, love is as powerful as death. Passion is as strong as death itself. It bursts into flames and burns like a raging fire. Water cannot put it out. No flood can drown it. So that verse kind of popped in my mind when we were having this this discussion because I was thinking to myself, the cost of love is worth it, but sometimes it's hard, right? You get that bite. You get that, you know, I don't like that you did this or whatever. But what God is saying here and what the actually the woman is saying to the man, love is as powerful as death. Passion is as strong as death. It bursts into flames and even water can't put it out. Like how strong is that word of water can't put it out, right? That love that God has for us, that love that we need to show other people, it's it should be that strong 
even when we might not get the response we want, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's even apparent within human relationships, right? Like, um, I love a lot of people that I sometimes don't like too much. Right, sure. Love is stronger than that. Yeah. Right. Like, I, you know, this, the woman is speaking about not her love for the man, but about love in general. Like this, it kind of pulls it out of their personal relationship. And it, it says that definite love is like this. And I think about that love is stronger than death. Right. I'm in my mind, I go to what can separate us from the love of God, neither heights nor depths, nor angels or demons, all that stuff. Like, yeah, it's really powerful. And I think it's um, grandmother actually had this underlined in her in her Bible um, because people are complicated. Right. Human beings are complicated, but love is not. It is more powerful than anything we can understand, especially the love of God. Right. And I just love that thought that it's a raging fire and even water can't put it out. There's nothing you could do, Alan, ever that would make me stop loving you. That's how I feel about you. That's how God feels about you. Right. It doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that we're not going to sin. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have troubles in our lives. But even water can't put that love out. That's just a, I don't know, fills my heart. To, know, to think about that, you know, um, especially when we are feeling lonely or sad or hurt or something like that, to know that God's love is right there and there's nothing, no amount of water that could put that out. So that to me is the song of songs. It's, it's just a beautiful treasure that I am really grateful to know more about, honestly. You know, um, I I want to spend more time in it. I want to learn more. I want to go to it for my own personal, like when I'm feeling, to, I need, needing some loving from God, right? Um, this is just an excellent place to go. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so... Next week, we got Dr. Tony back. Next week's going to be a little bit different. We're going to take a week off before we jump into Isaiah, right? We're going to look at Hebrew prophecy, Hebrew prophetic books in general. Yeah, because that's what's talked about. This is, might be confusing for people. So this is sort of an end statement in the Bible, right, with Song of Songs. And then we move into... Yeah, so we're moving into a whole bunch of prophetic, what's called the prophets, right? And so we're dividing them up in a different way, and so they'll be a little bit out of order. If you're following along in your Bible, don't just read left to right, um, because the timing of some, pre-exile, post-exile, all of that, um, major prophets, minor prophets. We're going to get into all that next week. Uh, Tony is going to help us think through what are the prophets, what is Hebrew prophecy, and then the week after that, he'll come back and we'll do the 30,000 foot view of Isaiah. But that's kind of where we're going in the near term. And then we're going to spend the next several months um, kind of in the prophets in general. Yeah, I'm excited. We got some great folks joining us. Um, got some some folks that are new to being clergy. And I'm excited about that, too, because, you know, you and I, we've been doing this for a little bit of time and it'll be nice to. Um, hear from some folks that are new into ministry and 
um, that still have their seminary professors' voices in their ears, you know, <laughs> and I still have mine too. But but you know what I mean. Um, I think that'll be really good, and I'm excited about that. Um, listeners, remember, as always, we love you, but most importantly, God does. 